to Philippians chapter number one. Chapter number one. We began a series from this short but powerful book of Philippians right before this um, virus thing hit. And we're going to get back to it. We're going to start up again. We began it a few weeks ago, and we want to get to this wonderful, it's a short book, but it's a rich book, where it, um, the theme is joy in the midst of. Paul's in prison, yet he's full of joy and encourages us to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. So if you would, Philippians chapter number one, and get your Bible out. Get your Bible out. We can't flap it on the screen, so find that Bible, dust it off, some of y'all. Um, get your Bible out. Because towards the end of this message, we want to look at some verses and I want you to see some rich truths in the Word of God. So Philippians 1, beginning with verse number 6. Philippians 1, beginning with verse number 6. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart. For whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how long, how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer. My prayer is that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and that you may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. We'll use as a title, Confident Until Completion. Confident Until Completion. Again, we're in a sermon series from the book of Philippians. We began by studying the key words in Paul's greeting. We looked at the word servant. We looked at the word saint. We looked at grace and peace and joy. And this week, I want to turn your attention to verse 6, that, that powerful verse, verse 6, and I pray that you will make this uh, a personal scripture. You'll make this your very own. You'll memorize it. You'll personalize it. You will believe it fully. You will declare it confidently. It's a beautiful verse. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you, he shall complete that work. Amen? Now, Paul, as we said, he's writing from prison, but he's confident. Isn't that good? He, and he wants the church to be confident. He's confident that God was at work. He's confident that God is in control. He's confident that regardless of his or their circumstances, God was working out all things, and all things mean your things. Somebody say my things. God wants you to be confident in the life you live because you know Jesus, your times are in His hands, and the work He began, He's promised to complete that work, and that ought to give you a confidence and an assurance and an expectation of victory and not defeat as you walk this walk of faith. Somebody say amen. God is working His good work in our lives. God not only initiates salvation, but He continues it and He guarantees its consummation, its completion. So Paul is saying, I have. And now, church, you must have confidence in God. In God. For He that began is the one that will keep you through it all. He's the one that will complete that good work. And friend, that good work is you. The Bible says we are as workmanship. 
created in Christ Jesus for good works. That good work is you. You're part of the good work God is doing in the earth. Isn't that good news? And He'll never fail or forsake His own. So here we go. When we think about our salvation, when you think about your salvation, there should be a confidence that God is the author of it. That God is the initiator. That God is the originator of your salvation. You're saved today because God wants you saved. It's no accident. This is not a crutch. This is not a fad. God chose you. God's Holy Spirit drew you. His precious blood cleansed you. And now, and now, and now, His power keeps you and fills you. God wanted you. God chose you. And friend, God has plans, good plans, for your life, both for now and throughout eternity. What a great thing it is to be a child of God. What an awesome thing it is to be a Christian. To know that you live for the Lord. You know your times are in His hands. So here we go. Our first thought God the author and God the finisher. God the author and God the finisher. He began and He will complete. How can you be so confident? <laughs> because my times are in His hands. Because my salvation is secure in Him. It's not about me. It's about the Lord. And He's worthy of being confident in God the author and God the finisher. Notice in verse 6, that verse, He began. He began. We were all different people. We were all in different places. We were all in different circumstances, different situations. He came to us all in different ways. Amen. Everyone's got a different testimony. But He did come. He came. He found us. He made Himself real to us. He, he um, made Himself genuine to us. He apprehended our lives. And once He apprehended our lives, He began to transform and change our lives. He made us new creatures. He gave us a new birth. And we can all declare what a wonderful, glorious change has taken place in our lives since Jesus came in. Since we came to Christ and received that salvation, we haven't been the same. He changed us. This thing is real. This thing is genuine. He began it, but He came. He came. He found us. He made Himself real. He began. So no matter what your personal story is, regardless of what your testimony is, one thing every Christian, every believer has in common is that He began this good work. It's to God be the glory. We didn't deserve it. We couldn't earn it. But amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. We were running, doing our own thing, but God in His matchless mercy and grace saw us and loved us and reached out and apprehended us. We're here today because He began a glorious good work in our lives and we thank Him for it. He began and guess what? He'll complete the work that He began. Somebody get encouraged. Don't you waver about that salvation. It's secure in Jesus Christ. Don't let the enemy play with your head because you haven't arrived yet. If you're truly born again, then you are a child of God and the same one that began it has promised He will complete it. He will complete this good work, friend. You're going to make it. You might have some trials. You might have some 
tribulations. That's part of this human experience. But good news is if you belong to Jesus, He holds you in the hollow of His hand and He said that hell itself could not snatch you from that hand. You're secure in Christ. He's going to finish the work that He began in your life. God's Word for you this morning is victory, not defeat. It's success. It's not failure. It's finishing the race, not falling short of that high and that glorious call. Somebody, your faith is going to see you through. Your faith in Christ. Your faith in that Word of God. Don't let go of Him because He will not let go of you. He began and He will complete. Now somebody, let this verse encourage your heart today. Life might try to discourage you. People might try to knock you off course. Situations might try to wear you down. But if you're a child of God, Philippians 1 and verse 6, claim this promise, confess this truth, let it be an anchor that brings stability and a steadiness and a strength as you press onward in this glorious march of faith. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. It's a wonderful thing to know the work He began. He's promised to complete. In that truth, we find peace. We find rest. We find confidence. Can you say amen? Now, we all know along the way, along the way, we face opposition. Along the way, there there might be a setback, maybe a stumble or two along the way. But remember now, if He led you there, He'll keep you there. If He brought you to that place, He won't bail on you now. He didn't take you this far. Do so much in your life to turn away now. No, no, no. Remember, He began and He said, I'm going to complete that work and I'll walk with you every step of the way. And now, when you go through those trials, child of God, listen, when you go through those tribulations, when you go through those times where you're feeling the pressure of life, if you'll call upon Him, in the day of your trouble, if you'll call upon Him in the hour of decision, the Bible says you'll find a God that is faithful and you'll find a God that is able and you'll find a God who's mighty to save and He's mighty to heal and He's mighty to deliver and He's mighty to provide. He's mighty to work. Somebody that situation might be complex and confusing and overwhelming to you. I've got good news. Jesus is able and Jesus is willing and the battle is the Lord's battle. Whatever you're facing, fix your eyes on Jesus. Call on that wonderful name and watch the hand of God work in your life. The one that began it is the one that will complete it and He's promised to walk with you every step of the way. This is what we want to get across. We find that a God has an ear to hear the cries of His dear ones, and that's you. And we find out that when we call upon the name of Jesus, we find out that He's greater than the giants that we're fighting. He's greater than the mountains that we're climbing. He's greater than the adversaries that we're facing. He's greater than the load and the burden that we're carrying. Greater is He that's within you than he that's in the world. Our Scripture says, He that hath begun a good work in you, He shall carry it on. He shall carry it on. There'll be trials, but He'll walk you through it. There'll be burdens. He'll carry them for you. There'll be an enemy out there, but He'll be your shield and your strong tower in that time. He that hath begun, He shall 
bring you through and complete His good work. Somebody be confident, not in ourselves, not in our circumstances. I want you to be confident in Jesus. If you can't trust anyone else in this life, you can trust Jesus. He is faithful. He is wonderful. He'll never fail you. He'll never forsake you. It's time to call on Jesus. I didn't say call on the church. I didn't say call on some religious person you see on TV. I'm saying to lift your voice and fix your eyes on the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And He will love you. And He will care for you. And He will work His good work in your life. Somebody say praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. I want you to know that. I'm trying to run across the story. It had kind of a silly story, but it had a good point to it. Now, it's important as we walk this life to be confident in Christ, not in ourselves, in Christ, regardless of circumstances. Be confident in God's power to bring you through and to finish His work in your life. There was a story about a church that had one of those dinners after service. You know, they're in the, in the uh, fellowship hall and on the buffet line. There's a tray of apples. And there was a sign over the apples that said, Apples, take one per person. Remember, God is watching. Ooh. Oh, apples. All right. But a little further down the line, there's the tray of them beautiful chocolate chip cookies. Yeah, you can't beat a good chocolate chip cookie with cold milk. Mm, hallelujah. Oh, that, that's better than going to counseling. I'll tell you right now. But anyway, there's a tray of cookies. And some must have been some youngster. He, he took a crayon and he scrawled uh, on the paper that said, Cookies, take all you want because God's watching the apples. <laughs> Someone said, what's the point? Here's my point. Friend, I want you to know that God, the living God, He will never be distracted and He will never be so, um, how's that word, so overburdened or limited that He cannot keep His eye on you and keep His heart towards you and keep His hand working in your life. You might feel like you're just someone in the midst of this huge crowd, but listen, everybody is somebody to Jesus. And when you've received Him as your Savior, He'll never leave you and He'll never fail to watch over your life and to carry you through every trial. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Number one, God the author and the finisher. He began, He will complete salvation to the Lord. And that's a marvelous thing. I'm glad it's not up to me. But Roman numeral two, the believer confident until completion. The believer confident unto completion. Verse 6, He being confident that He who began a good work in you shall complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Now listen, the mark of a true believer, the mark of a true believer is that they have a firm and settled confidence in God. You can tell someone is a true believer. I mean, what what did Paul say in 2 Timothy 1 and 12? He said, I know. He's in prison awaiting death. But he says, I know in whom I have believed in. And I'm persuaded. I'm convinced. I'm confident that he'll keep me until that day. That he won't let me go. That he'll work his good work in my life. The believer, the true believer, the overcoming believer has a firm, settled confidence in God. It's a mark of a believer. It's a trait of the believer. Two young men came up to Brother Shambach years ago and out in the Seattle area, and they said, Preacher, are we saved? And immediately he said, No. 
And they looked and said, how can you say we're not saved? You don't know us? He says, I don't need to know you. Because when you're saved, you don't walk around asking, am I saved? You go around declaring, I am saved. I am saved. I am saved. His Spirit bears witness with my spirit that I am a child of God. I've received Christ. I know Christ. And I walk with Christ. When you got the real thing, they're not wavering. You're not this way and that way. There is a firmness and a confidence. You know you've passed from death unto life. Now, Confidence and assurance. Those are two strong traits of the genuine Christian. Believers know God. Believers know Him personally. They walk with Him daily. For God's Spirit lives within every true child of God. And that Spirit bears witness to salvation. And that Spirit produces a steadfast confidence in the Savior that redeemed them. Think about that. Four marks, four marks of a true believer. Four marks of a true believer, of the believer's confidence. Number one, that person that really knows God, number one, they're confident in the provision of Christ. Confident in the provision of Christ. Talking about His provision of salvation. They're confident that what Jesus did on the cross, completely sufficient, completely adequate, completely Accepted of the Father. They're confident in the provision of Christ. Number two, they're confident in the plan of Christ. Not only His present plan, but that ultimate plan and purpose. They're confident in where God is taking them. Number three, they're confident in the progress of Christ. That, that this work is growing and continuing and advancing. Number four, they are confident not only in the provision not only in the plan, not only in the, the, the progress, they are confident in the person of Christ. You see, Christianity is more than just knowing about Christ. It's knowing Christ. A lot of people know about George Washington, but they don't know George Washington, never knew him. A lot of people can say, well, I know the president, but they don't really personally know the president. So understand this. Christianity is more than religion. If all you have is religion, listen, friend, you haven't gone far enough. You've got to go farther than religion. And you have to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You have to receive Him as your Lord and your Savior. You have to put your faith in what He did at that cross. You need to receive Him personally and serve Him publicly. It must be a relationship more than merely a religion. And there is a confidence in the person of Christ. Let's begin. These are the, the thoughts the overcoming believer has confidence in the provision of Christ. We are confident in the work that Jesus had done to redeem us and to save us and to secure heaven as our home. The work of salvation. This provision that saves, that forgives, and that makes us right before a holy God. You see, the believer has absolute confidence in the finished work of Jesus Christ on that cross. Absolute confidence. 
We're not putting confidence in ourselves. That's wrong. We're not putting confidence in the religion of man. That's wrong. Our confidence is in Christ and Him crucified. In Christ and what He did on that cross. You don't have to listen. You don't need to, to give a true believer the last rites because Jesus already gave him the first rites. Can you say amen? You don't got to worry about praying me out of purgatory. No purgatory for me because I know Jesus. As soon as I'm gone here, in the presence of the Lord. Woo, glory be to God forevermore. So again, the believer has an absolute confidence in the finished work of Jesus Christ. We believe without reservation that Jesus paid it all. There's nothing we can add to it. Nothing that needs to be added to it. That His sacrifice completely satisfied the wrath of God. His sacrifice totally adequate to please the Father and to meet the requirements. Nothing has to be added. Nothing can be added. Our faith and confidence. Why we believe we're going to open our eyes in heaven and not hell. Why we believe our sins are forgiven and there's no more condemnation. Not because we turned over a new leaf. That's not good enough. Not because we joined a church. That's not good enough. But because we put our faith in Jesus Christ and Him crucified. His work. His person. We have put our faith in Him and in that we receive the triumph of His grace. We are completely confident in the provision of Christ because of Jesus' sacrifice in our place. We are confident our sins are forgiven. We are confident heaven will be our home. We are confident that Jesus' sacrifice on the cross completely satisfied God's demands. And now and forever, we that have received Him, we're righteous before God. No more condemnation. No more accusation. No more intimidation. Friend, don't ever doubt that salvation. Don't ever waver from that salvation, but be confident in the provision of Christ. Your salvation is secure when it's grounded in Christ. And Him crucified. Somebody say amen. Ah, the believer, confident until completion. What are we confident in? In ourselves? No, 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 no. In our church? No, 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 no. We are confident, number one, in the provision of Jesus Christ. He provides salvation. He pays the price for salvation. And we receive it as we receive Him. Alright, number two, not only are we confident in the provision of Christ, we're confident in the plan and in the purpose of Christ. We're confident. Now, think about our verse again. Confident of this. He which hath begun a good work. Underline that. Good work. It's a good work. It's a good work. Amen? I hear stories about some of these false religions. My Lord, who in the world wants to believe something that's going to tell you it might be a rat in the second life? That's the stupidest thing I ever heard. Who'd have, that's a lie from the pit of hell. Isn't that right? That's, that's from hell. Who'd want that? But the Bible says our salvation, it's a good salvation. It's a great salvation. And His plan is a good plan. You see what I mean? The best is yet to come. Don't worry. Oh, glory be to God. Let's get to this now. We are confident that it's a good work. It's an eternal work. It's an everlasting work. It's an enduring work. The work that He hath begun, it's a good work. 
You see, serving the Lord is a good thing. The psalmist said, oh, taste and see, the Lord is good. Being a Christian, it's not a, it's not a negative. It's not a sad thing. I know some Christians look like they got baptized in lemon juice, but you know, they, 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 they're just, no, 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 no. But serving the Lord ought to have joy and peace and kindness and gentleness. Oh my goodness, friends. Listen, we're confident that the plan Christ has for our lives both right now and eternity, is a good plan. It's an exciting plan. It's a fulfilling plan. The work He has begun is a good work. The work of salvation, it transforms lives. I'm glad I'm not what I used to be. I'm glad I'm not the old rascal I used to be. It's a good salvation that makes us better men and women. That makes us the men and women God desired us to be from the beginning. The work of salvation transforms. makes us new creatures. gives us new birth. Gives us eternal and abundant life. Jeremiah the prophet, expressing God's heart towards all of His people, said these words, I know the plans I have for you, saith the Lord. And they're plans to prosper you, not to harm you. They're plans that give you a hope and a future. The Apostle Paul, hundreds of years later, when he writes about our salvation in Ephesians, he said it's by, by grace we're saved. Through faith, no one can boast. Then he goes on to say, we are, we are, you are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, a good salvation, and a good life, and an eternal purpose that God ordained from the beginning of time. We're confident that our God, who is a good God, has a good plan for our lives. It's a plan of purpose. It's a life that has a reason for being. For your life and for my life, both presently and future, eternally. The best is yet to come. And we believe the work that He has begun is a good work leading to a great life. Blessed be His name. Number one, we are confident because of the provision of Christ. Number two, we are confident because the plan and the purpose of Christ, both presently and eternally, is a good plan. Friend, don't, don't, don't turn away from Jesus. He's got a good plan for your life. Don't, don't, don't listen to the lies of the world. Don't get deceived by the world. The world is finishing in a terrible place. But those that love the Lord, oh, the best is always yet to come. Number three, we're confident in the progress of Christ. Talking to someone right now, you struggle with, with, with your Christianity sometimes because there's areas that you waver in. There's areas you, you feel weak and it feels like you stumble in. But I don't want you to give up. I want you to understand everyone's in the process of becoming. Uh, he saved us, but when He saved us, it wasn't over then. There's this process of transformation that we all go through. So don't let little weaknesses, don't let areas that maybe you're not as strong as you should be. And sometimes it seems like you don't let them cause you to give up. Don't don't you dare give up. The Lord did too much. He loves you too much. So you just you fall down and get back up. Ask God to forgive you and get back. But we are confident in the progress of Christ. Because the Lord picks us up whatever shape we're in. He cleanses us. He receives us. But then there's a process of becoming. And that's all right. He's willing to work in our lives. It's like the old story, Coach, um, remember Coach Holtz, Coach Lou Holtz, that football coach. When he was coaching Notre Dame back in the 90s, it was um, a press conference, and it was preseason. They're just getting ready to start their, 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 um, their, their what do you call it, their summer camps. Their summer camps and at the press conference, and he had a lot of young players that year. 
A lot of young players, never played before. No one ever heard of these players. And so they're asking them some questions about this new team. Were they any good? No one ever heard of them. Didn't have any too many returning seniors. And Coach Holt said this. He said, I don't mind starting the season with unknowns. I just don't like finishing the season with unknowns. And you know, I thought about that. When Jesus found us, we might have been spiritual nobodies. But by His amazing grace, He's making us spiritual somebodies. He's doing His good work in our lives. And we're not what we used to be. I know, I know, I know I'm not what I'm going to be. But praise God, I'm not what I used to be. Because He's working in me faith to faith and glory to glory. Those things I used to do, I've got victory over them. Those things that I used to fall to, I don't fall to them anymore. And God who is good and faithful. God, who is rich in mercy, He not only forgives our sins, but He fills us with the Spirit. And by that Spirit, as we cooperate with God and do our part, He changes us and He improves us and He makes us stronger and He makes us healthier. Glory be to God forevermore. The good work is an incomplete work until we get to glory. You see, He began this good work but he's not finished yet. I've got a lot of rough edges, and so do you. I've got areas that aren't where they need to be, and so do you. But I've got confidence that Lord that found me is going to help me to grow. And give me grace to improve. And he's going to give me the, 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 what I need to overcome. It's no longer I that liveth, Paul said, but Christ liveth in me. And the Holy Spirit is that which helps me to mature and to overcome and to become what He's called me to be. This good work is incomplete until we get to glory. And until then, God is working in us and God is working on us to mature us and to transform us and to make us more and more like Jesus. Now, this is where you need your Bibles. Now, in verses 9 through 11, in verses 9 through 11, the Apostle Paul, he prays a short but powerful prayer for the Christians. And in that prayer, we begin to see at least three areas that the Lord wants us to grow in. That the Lord desires that as we're marching on to the finish line, we mature in these areas, we increase in these areas, We can note three areas of progress that we are called to make along the way to completion. (laughs) Until we hear those glorious words, well done, thy good and faithful servant. God calls us to grow in verse 9 in our spiritual devotion. God calls us in verse 10 to grow in our spiritual discernment. God calls us to grow, verses 10 and 11, in our spiritual development where we can be proven and we can be productive in righteousness. Let's look at these, would you? Get your Bibles out. Glory be to God. Verse 9. This is Paul's prayer. Paul prays in verse 9. And this is my prayer. Remember, we're on the journey. He began the good work. He's not finished with it yet. He's going to finish it. But while we're on the journey, He wants us to grow. He wants us to be transformed. He wants us to be more than conquerors. Amen? So here it is, verse 9. And this is my prayer. That your love, your love for God and your love for man, your love will abound more and more in knowledge and in depth of insight. All right, verse 9. 
The prayer, the will of God, is that we grow in spiritual devotion. That our love both for God and for man will increase. Our love for God and for the family of God will increase. Paul prayed that their love would deepen and intensify. He wanted them to go from the possession of love to the progression of love. We've received the love of God. It's been shed abroad in our hearts. We received Christ. But now, let that love grow. Let that love mature. The greatest commandments, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. And these two areas, God says, along the journey... God says, develop, develop, grow in spiritual devotion. And that ultimate devotion is to love. To love God and to love people. To love God and to love those that are made in the image of God. Those desire to be redeemed by the blood of God. So the possession of love is to go into the progression of love. Now note, when Paul uses that word abound, interesting word, he's talking about the extent of their love. He says, I want your love to touch more people with that love. Touch more people with that love. It's more than just me, my wife, my kid, us four, no more. No, no. Let your light show shine. Let your light touch others for the glory of God. Let your love for Jesus grow. Let your love for those in which He died for grow. He says, let it abound. Let it abound. The extent of our love. Now, when He uses those words more and more, He is speaking there about the effectiveness of their love. The extent of their love, the richness, the maturing, the effectiveness of their love. You see, God says, I want you to grow in your love for me and in your love for others. He wants the church to learn how to love people more and more and to love them in a greater measure, in a greater sincerity. That, that Greek word for abound is an interesting word. Um, the picture of it's this. The Greek word, the picture of the word abound is that of a bucket. Can you imagine a pail? You might wash the car with just a regular bucket. And it's standing under a giant waterfall. So you imagine that, that bucket you have in your garage when you wash the car. You put it under Niagara Falls. <clears throat> under a great waterfall. And with the water as it flows, you know the bucket can't contain it, can it? It just it flows over. It, it, it flows out of all the sides. It just can't contain it. And Paul prays. That we would move into a love that can't be contained. That, that our love would be like that water in the bucket. That we get so full of Jesus. That we'd just be so on fire for Jesus. That we can't contain our love. And the world will know we belong to Him. The world will know that we love Him. And people will know something different about them. Because it can't be contained and it can't be hidden. But there's an abounding of the love in our hearts both for God and for man, as we are on this journey of faith, God says, I began it. I promise to complete it. But along the way, I'm calling you to grow in it. I'm calling you to cooperate with me. To be a partner with the Holy Spirit. To develop in these areas. And the key area is that walk of love. Loving God and loving others. Oh, what a thought. But secondly, now secondly, and I know these are verses we could spend um, an entire session just on these verses, they're strong, they're rich, but work with me here. Verse 10, verse 10. Grow not only in spiritual devotion, grow in spiritual discernment. Grow in spiritual... Look at verse 10. Look at what it says here. And this is good. This is going to help us out in these last days. So that you may be able to discern. So I want that love to grow. Love has to grow. 
Okay? So that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ. Hmm. You see, Bible love, Bible love, Bible love, true love, Bible love needs knowledge and discernment if it's going to stay pure and focused. Don't have a lot of time to develop this, but let me just give you some. This is love for God and love for man. David Jeremiah writes, our growth in grace is indicated by the discrimination that rules our lives. Our ability to choose good, bad, better, best. You see, Paul's saying, I want you to be able to discern what is best. Discern where the love of God should go and how the love of God should be applied. Our growth in grace is indicated by the discrimination that rules our lives. As we grow, as we mature, there has to be a maturing of discernment. We teach children to discern. That's food and that's poison. That's a toy and that's something that will cut you. We mature, we train our children to be able to make wise decisions and choose not only good and bad, but better and best. And one of the ways we grow in the things of God, not only do we grow in love, but we grow in how we apply that love and how we express that love. Our growth in grace is indicated by the discrimination that rules our lives. As we grow, we begin to reject habits and practices we once approved of. And there's a distinguishing that takes place of priorities, of practices, of habits, and of values. We grow in spiritual discernment. And then lastly, we grow, verses 10 and 11, we grow in spiritual development. Let me read this for you. Start with verse 9. This is Paul's prayer. And this is God's desire for us as we grow. We're going to make it. God's promised. He began the work, but along the way, his desire for everyone that calls themselves a Christian is that we'll mature and improve and be transformed more and more. So number one, that our love may abound more and more, more and more. God says, I want your love for me and I want your love for men to increase, to um, mature, to grow, but grow in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern. God wants us to be able to discern. People use the word of love and you know the world, they're lost, they don't know God. They, they love things that God despises. So, so it's not just to be deceived by, this, by this, this, this word love that the world has so abused, but the biblical love that understands how it is expressed for the glory of God. You may be able to discern what is best and may be pure. Love's pure. <laughs> it may be pure and blameless. Until the day of Christ. See, there's a lot here. Hard to do it in a short time, but we're trying. Verse 11 says, filled, filled as we walk in love. As we grow in our discernment. Learning what to be put aside. And what should be desired and reached for. What, what is not that important. What is greatly important. When we grow in discernment, we'll be filled. Verse 11, filled with the fruit of righteousness. Righteousness. That comes through Jesus Christ. The glory and praise. Growth in spiritual development. Now think about this. Sincere and genuine. God desires our lives. God desires our love. God desires our development, our faith. To be tested and proven real. He desires our lives to be producing fruits of righteousness. Proven and producing. God desires that everyone that calls us up a Christian will be proven real 
and will be producing fruits of right. By the fruit you shall. He desires that we can be proven. You notice that word, most people don't understand. There's the word blameless, sincerity, be able to discern. Now, sincerity speaks of the absence of hypocrisy. Paul prays that believers would be genuine in their lives. He wanted them to be consistently real in their walk with the Lord. Growing in spiritual development means that, listen, we're, we're pure and blameless. There's a sincerity. There, we are proven that we're genuine. But not only proven that we're genuine, producing genuine fruits that say, I'm a Christian. I'm living for Jesus. The Holy Spirit dwells within me. Hallelujah. Glory to God. The genuine, overcoming Christian is confident until completion. And God wants you to live this life with a confidence and an expectation, trusting His Word, putting your complete confidence in Christ and all that He's done. Number one, we said the provision of Christ. Jesus paid it all. We know we're forgiven. We know our home is secure in heaven because our faith is not in ourselves. It's not in man. Our faith is in Christ and Him crucified. And in that, we will not be shaken. But secondly, we're confident in the plan and purpose of Christ. God has a good plan for your life. God has a glorious purpose for your life both now and throughout eternity. And His will is good, and His will for your life is good now and forevermore. Number three, we are confident in the progress of Christ. All along the way, we understand through the Scripture that God wants us to grow. That God asks us now, cooperate with the Spirit and grow in your devotion and grow in your discernment and grow in your development. Be a person that the world can look and say they're genuine. They're real. Life has tested them, but they've proven to be sincere in their love and in their devotion to Christ. And not only proven, but producing. Lives that produce righteous fruit and fruits of mercy and fruits of love and fruit that brings glory to God. And lastly, I'm a confident believer. You need to be a confident believer. Why? Confident in the person of Jesus Christ. This is where it all comes down to. Christianity is knowing, serving, and loving Jesus Christ. It's loving Him personally. There's no substitute for this, friend. There's no alternative to this. There's no option for this, for your salvation. Be completely confident. Fall in love and live for Jesus with all of your heart. Be confident in the person of Christ and who He is and what He's done and what He's promised to do. Now listen, as we wind this down, note takers, write down 1 John, the 5th chapter, verses 11 and verses 12. 1 John, the 5th chapter, verses 11, verses 12. I know a lot of people, little, you know, John's way in the back there. 1 John's way in the back and a lot of people don't get to it. And so this verse is a great verse, but some people might not get it. But it's very important. Our confidence, besides the provision and the purpose, the plan, the progress, in the person of Christ. Christianity is knowing Jesus and loving Jesus and living for Jesus. Notice this, 1 John 5, 11 and 12. Here's the testimony of God. Here it is. God has given us eternal life. We got it, folks. We're not looking for it. We got it. Praise God. God has given us eternal life. And this life is in His Son. S-O-N. It's in His Son. 
It's not in a church. It's not in a doctrine of man. It's not in a ritual. It's not in, you know, second communion, fifth baptism. No, no, no. This life, this eternal life, this abundant life, this overcome is in Jesus. It's in His Son. Next verse says, He who has the Son, He who has Jesus, has life. Woo! He who does not have the Son does not have life. Wow. Buddha's not the way. Muhammad's not the way. The Blessed Mother's not the way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. But when you receive Jesus, that's where the life of God is. That's where the eternal promises of God are, all in His Son. And may we be confident unto completion as God desires us to be. Amen and amen. As we pray our final prayer, very quickly, if you're listening and, and, and you don't have this confidence, well, this confidence starts by personally receiving Jesus, by coming and surrendering your life to Jesus as your Savior and as your Lord and believing that He died for you on that cross. That's where it starts. That's where it starts. But then secondly, you that know the Lord, listen, this is God's will for you. This is clearly God's call to you from the Bible that we are to be confident and live with expectation and cooperation as we run this race of faith. So if you're a child of God, listen, maybe you're going through something. Well, listen, go back to the Bible. Believe God's promise. Remind yourself of who you are. Remind yourself that God that began that work is promised to finish that work and you can rest completely in that. Nothing's going to stop it. Nothing's going to overcome what God is going to do in your life. Amen? Bow your hearts. Let's believe God together. If you have a need, as I'm praying, if you have a need, I want you to lift it up before God and I'm going to ask the Lord to touch you right where you are. God can heal you in your living room as much as He can heal you at an altar. God can fill you with the Holy Spirit right in your living room as quick as He can at this altar. You might need just a fresh touch from God. Maybe you're weary. Maybe you feel that heaviness. The devil is a liar. God's going to set you free. Let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, touch your people with your mighty power. Father, let the power of your Holy Ghost flow like a mighty river. Let it fill. Let it refresh. Let it drive out heaviness. Let it drive out discouragement. Let there be new life imparted in the name of Jesus. Father God, I pray that you'd inspire the faith of your people to believe. Stir up their faith to believe and be confident in all that Jesus has done and all that Jesus is. Father God, help us to be a strong and courageous people as we live this life. Father, right now I ask You to heal the hurting, to fill, fill, fill the thirsty. Father God, give a freshness of understanding to those that seem confused and have to make decisions. Father, in Jesus' name, stretch forth your hand and heal the hurting. Touch those that need a physical touch now. In the name of Jesus, Father God, touch those that need new strength that are feeling weary. Father, right now, fill them afresh. Right now, dear God, grant a fresh impartation of life, of power, of grace. Father, right now, pray for that mind. No more confusion. No more restlessness. Clarity and peace. In the name of Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen, Amen, and Amen. Oh God, continue your good work. Friends, we love you and we're praying for you. Don't forget Tuesday, 9 to 10, we're praying. 
I'll be here in the sanctuary. You'll be in your home. We're praying and believing God together. We love you. Keep looking to Jesus. Be confident in Him. And you'll be more than a conqueror in life. God bless you.